Welcome to the Peace at Home podcast, where all of us now have working computers or laptops, which is a surprise. I'm your co-host, Sinan. And I'm Jamie. And I'm Ben. And our intro music is by Jordan, our good friend, who also has a podcast called Com Radio, which you should check out. That's yes. it. We did everything. We did everything. Yes. We're back to form, everyone. Because <laughs> we did forget last week to thank Jordan again. We were, we did not do our job properly last time. <laughs> no, that was David's fault, though. That was David's fault. I agree. Like, this is, you know, look, there's, there's a reason why we can only have so much of Praxis cast in this. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. also... Also, I've just remembered that my beef drop on Twitch is the Google deep fake saying that Peace at Home is better than podcasting as Praxis. Yes. <laughs> Many people are saying this. I don't know why Google from Google Foods is saying it, but, you know, <laughs> that's just how it be. So, uh, Ben, did, are, you, are you happy to be back from the hated England? Not really, to be honest. Uh, no. <laughs> no, but did I'd, you have a good? Did you have a good time? I had fun while I was down there. Yeah, so I'm getting like, oh, did to get back in my box then? Oh well. Oh, well, you know, I I I'm suffering from long Bristol, terrible, terrible scheduling of everything. I had a good weekend though. I chatted yeah. a lot of shit with people. That's always good fun. I've I've slept maybe ten hours this entire week. Nice, raring to go. But on the plus side, I'm at the start of like a week off from work. So, you know. Oh boy, I, I'm working 60 hours next week. <laughs> yeah, I'm off to fucking Norwich with my partner. I'm going to see a tank museum. She's going to buy me a bunch of food, you know. And then I'm back and I can maybe do an emergency stream of the new CK3 DLC. Who's to say? Anyway, we're not here to talk about CK3. Well, in a way, we're here to talk about Paradox game. But the game is Hearts of Iron. <laughs> and... Yeah, this is this is actually a thing in Hearts of Iron, I guess. So we're gonna be we're gonna be leaving the twenties for most of this, which is a surprise for us, actually, <laughs> because we we've been stuck in the twenties for too long. I think we're done with the twenties for a little bit, or at least like some of the twenties. So we're gonna be talking about Turkey's reaction to the Great Depression, because we always like we always know about like what America did, which was mostly like make alcohol legal again and also pump a bunch of cash into shit which is the new deal which is fine that's that's a perfectly fine response right to the great depression obviously the great depression fucked over everyone and every country and it's interesting to see what happens in a country that was trying to make capitalism a thing when capitalism shits the bed as it always does every like eight to nine years these days yeah. Wow. That's a bit optimistic there, Sinan. Well, yeah, but, like, I don't... Right, okay, I don't think it's, like... It is eight to nine years, isn't it, though? That is, like... That is, like, the rate at which it has been happening in my lifetime. I think I think we've had, like, about five economic crises over the past couple of years, though. Yeah, but that's all kind of one big one, isn't it? Like, it's, it's It's, you know, it's kind of, like... It, it's kind of all rolled into one, and then when we have the inevitable, like, house price crash in, like, a few months, uh, then it'll be, you know, the new crisis. But, and I can't wait for that, because that's going to be really good for me, the person who has no savings and, like, nothing at all. So, you know. <laughs> that's why yeah. it's not, not really affecting us anymore, but we've 
been cratered by successive crises to the point where we have no stake anymore. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's in a sense, we're going to see what happens where a country's like in that, in that way decoupled from the success and failure of capitalism. We might be seeing what happens here. I, I guess it would pay to explain what the Great Depression was. The Great Depression is basically this was basically a gigantic economic crisis that lasted 10 years thereabouts. So like 1929 to 1939, which is why people do this really like trite, boring bullshit thing where they're like, oh, well, the way to make your economy grow is to go to war. And it's like, no, that's not what they fucking did, though, is it? That's not that's not what like that's not what America did. America didn't join that war until a bit after the Great Depression had passed. So clearly that's not the correlating factor here, is it? Uh, and and in which and if that's the case, then I should be expecting a huge economic boom to come. Mm. And yet here I am with rising energy prices for reasons which we cannot possibly figure out. We can't figure out why it's happening. No. Invisible hand. It's you know mythical, mysterious. We can't figure it out, right? It's kind of interesting to think about the scale of the Great Depression. So like globally, the economy of the world shrunk by something like fifteen percent which is insane, right? That's a fucking insane amount of money to just to sort of like value in an economy to disappear because of what was basically a, sh- a stock market crash. Yeah. Which, like, just like in the Great Recession, the famous recession that we all lived through, it was like 1% globally. Yeah. It's just, it's just that like, uh, the countries we lived in, in the Imperial Corps, shit the bed especially hard. You know, Britain, America, all of these overexposed countries to the American property market, which was too many, they shit the bed especially hard. But you look at fucking Poland, what they did was they just put money into building roads for 10 years and they didn't, their economy basically didn't shrink. Hmm. So who's to say? Who's to say what the reaction... Isn't, who's to say what we should have done in the aftermath of the it, fucking... It's almost, um, almost like investment in public infrastructure instead of austerity it might have Mm. Ah no, no, let's not go there. <laughs> no, yeah, I was just, about, I was just about to ask: isn't isn't investment in like public infrastructure just communism though? That's right. Ah, yeah, yeah. Communism is when the government does stuff. Long-standing line of the podcast. Mm. And famously, famously, communism very popular position in post-Soviet Poland as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah, very popular. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to think about it because there are loads of podcasts. I might listen to a few of them that basically are premised on the entire economy being a fucking mirage, a scam, you know, especially stock stuff and stock manipulation, right? And it's kind of weird to think that something that a lot of people say is basically imaginary. I'm trying to wind up this one specific poster in my head who was like, (laughs) economics isn't real, is like, um, you know, was it English literature isn't serious for STEM bros? And I'm like, yeah, like it's not, it's not actually, it's, it's, it's a way to interpret an entirely man-made system that we could unmake at any time and regularly do unmake whenever it causes inconvenience to us, by the way. But yeah, like how the fuck does it like actually cause these problems? And basically the, the, the short version is that it crash it crashes demand for everything because everyone gets fired because everything is relies upon the fucking stock market and the big companies and so you had this double whammy where like construction stopped in most industrialized countries because there was no demand for like building shit because no one had any money for the shit yeah 
you had like so you already had like the start of like the automobile industry and stuff like that. This is this contemporary contemporary with like Henry Ford and stuff. Like no one because people were getting fired, no one could buy any of this sort of luxury manufactured goods. So everyone who worked in like car and in, in the car industry got fucking fired. But then all of the all of the food prices collapsed basically everywhere. <laughs> so all of the rural areas got fucked because farming wasn't profitable anymore. Basically, no matter what kind of country you were, you got fucked unless you were Turkey. Specifically. Oh. Because it was so fucked already that basically <laughs> it could just kind of ignore it. I'm not even joking. If you look at the graph of Turkish GDP from like 1920 to 19, uh, just not 19, to 2020, first, like, you look at the Great Depression bit and it's like, it's, it's like so small on the graph. You have to zoom in, but there's like a little like leveling off and then it goes back up because it's like, <laughs> well, all right, like, we, d- we didn't have an economy. It, the economy was literally imaginary at that point in that country. <laughs> but I guess that's kind of something we should talk about, is, like, what was the state of the Turkish economy just before the Great Depression hit? So, part of the Kemalist project, and it's kind of a thing we keep coming back to, is this idea of, like, westernization and modernization, right? Yeah. And it, they do this thing where they sort of, like, superficially look at what these countries have and decide that, therefore, is what you should have in order to be a modern country. And so they look at, like, Britain and France and Germany. Germany to a lesser extent, because they, their industry was deliberately, like, curtailed by yeah. the Treaty of Versailles. But they look at them and they go, these people have factories where they build, like, airplanes and cars and, you know, they bottle beer and they make canned food. I'm just listing stuff you can do in Victoria too now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, but but the, but for real, those were real industries. I'm not making that. They, obviously, there's like some historical basis for these things to exist in the game. But you know, they do stuff like that. So they're like, we obviously have to encourage this, right? Like that's obviously the stuff we have to encourage. So there's this sort of push towards industrialization and. And basically, the the share of the economy that's industrial goes from like 0.1 percent to something like two. It's 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 really it's that those aren't like the exact numbers, but it's you should understand that Turkey was primarily a sort of primary industry type country, farming, luxury goods, that sort of thing, right? Not service, not really any industry, just mostly farm shit basically which is which is fine you know like particularly like uh in terms of luxury stuff it's stuff like tea and tobacco were the main uh, things yeah. that were exported tea and tobacco uh what else was there well not really luxury goods at that point i guess cotton kind of luxury but i clothes are kind of essential anyway it's not i'm not going to get into whether clothes are essential or not because the the one group of like naked people in nottinghamshire will listen to this from their like hide out in Sherwood Forest and yell at me. So, (laughs) and that's, by the way, that's real. I've not made that up. That's a real group of people who actually exist. Um, So if you wander around Sherwood Forest and you encounter naked people, that's who you you have run into. Have they Um, talked to banditry yet? No, I think they just mostly stay out of everyone's way so no one bothers them, which, fine, whatever. Respect it, to be fair, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you know, Nottingham's a student city. I don't know how shocked anyone from Nottingham could be by seeing a naked person running around. But it's tea and tobacco, right? That those are your those are your um those are your things that you're mainly exporting. And obviously, 
in a situation where your export markets are primarily Europe, which is, uh, has just been like crushed by the tsunami of this like demand crushing recession, means that you can't really export very much. And the food price crash, I mean, more or less, you've got to remember land reform was a thing that went on here. So you've just minted this new sort of like small landowning farming class and mm. immediately <laughs> it has become fucking economically unviable, basically, by a price crash in the food market. And there's this push, because there is a political context to this, right? For the reaction. So we recall that like one of the main things in um in the sort of Kemalist project early on is we don't want fucking foreigners controlling any part of our economy. Yeah. Which mm. very quickly becomes what if our economy was completely self-sufficient and sealed off from the world? Like for essential stuff, right? Uh-huh. What if we became an autarky? Which I mean, okay, good luck with that. I mean, Turkey's kind of one of those countries where I guess you could do it, but already by then, economies were so well integrated with each other that like specialization had meant that you couldn't easily do it at that point. Impossible now. It's completely fucking impossible to do it now. So bad luck if you're in favor of autarky, I'm afraid. Surely all you need to do is you need to just move down the part of the focus tree that gives you extra civilian factories. That's it, yeah. (laughs) But... <laughs> I love the idea that there's like it's it, it, I guess in Ireland it would be the focus would be called Sinn Fein, just <laughs> because <laughs> yes. of what that means. But yeah, um, <laughs> I think God, I should make an Irish focus tree that's actually very good. But anyway, so there's this push for autarky, and it's like this toxic combination of like uh, you know, like Isma Inu. So there's like two factions in the Republican People's Party, but we'll come to. But Isma Inonu is very much the man at this point. He is the Prime Minister and the man. And his general belief is that you should do statism. You should do state intervention as much as possible. And they're like, well, wouldn't it be convenient if we did state intervention in response to this crisis that's not really, like, fucking us too bad, but could? You know, just in case, we should do a lot of statism. Yep. Not, you know, no ulterior motive here. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So just some more context for you all, which is that the Turkish economy in 1923 was fucking ruined from like probably being generous 50 years of crisis. Even though there were all these problems with like, you know, food price crash, making agricultural work unviable and the export markets not being available for their goods and all these other things. It didn't really, like, bother the line. The line did not feel sad in Turkey too much. <laughs> it, it genuinely, like, seemed to mostly pass the country by. But there's, like, this advert, an electoral advert by the Republican People's Party that they did for their 90th anniversary. Which, by the way, what a fucking loser move to be like, this party's 90 years old, baby. Here's a r- really, like, abnormally well rendered cartoon of our 90 years of history and one of the things they brag about is like oh yeah when we were in charge we didn't borrow any money except for the economic crash in 1929 and world war ii but let's not think about that too hard (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, great. <laughs> Fiscal responsibility, you love to see it, yeah. Yeah, well, no, this plays into sort of like a general Turkish nationalist thing about the Ottoman debt, because they were like, actually, we paid off the Ottoman debt. It wasn't the Democrat Party who did it. Well, if you don't know who the Democrat Party are, don't worry, we'll get there. Jalal Bayar, the prime, the king melt, will we'll emerge well, didn't and become we, a character. Didn't we in one of our previous episodes establish that the, the Ottoman debt was mostly paid off by various Ottoman successor states that weren't the Republic of Turkey. Well, yeah, it's kind of complicated, but yes, basically. <laughs> it was basically neo-colonialism outsourced. Fantastic. Like, they be- so, like, you know what France does with its uh, former African colonies, where it has, yeah. like, these insane debt agreements. Basically, the Ottoman Empire got out of, got, like, a, a small portion of an insane debt agreement, but then passed it on to, like, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, <laughs> um... I do wonder whether Israel actually got a portion of the Ottoman debt. That's an interesting question Ooh. as to whether it was legally... Rec- I guess the mandate of uh, Palestine would be the one that had the debt, but then is uh, Israel a successor state to the mandate of Palestine? I don't think it's considered a direct successor because it fought a war of independence to establish itself as a state. So, Well, I mean, so did Turkey from the Ottoman Empire. <laughs> Like, like, so I, I don't know. That's an inch. Someone else. That's a different podcast, I think. But it's interesting to think about whether that's the case. Uh, but yeah, basically, it palmed its 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 horrible debt deal off onto other countries and paid it off. And it was largely a symbolic debt at that point, anyway, because everyone was kind of like, "Well, we evidently can't force you to pay it, given the events that have occurred thus far." <laughs> so. You know, if we send the bailiffs round, you will shoot them. You've made that very clear. (laughs) So we're not going to fucking bother anymore. Um, Which I think goes to show what you can do in the face of Western countries coming around asking you for money. I'm not. But but most most people already know that in the global south. I don't think they need the advice there. So I'm just saying, Turkey, with its focus on autarky and its refusal to pay outstanding debts, it's it's proto sankarism we're really talking about. Well, if it was, I don't know, it may, if it had more of a leftist bent, because none of this is like, you will see what the end result of this economic policy was, but it basically sets back the cause of leftism in Turkey, probably, in the same way that the New Deal completely crushes a lot of the energy that could have gone towards, like, revolutionary angst against the American state. Uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So. If you're wondering, like, what what is going on in the economy aside from an attempt at industrialization, noticeably like slower than the Soviet Union, but an industrialization, you look at it in all these countries, it's kind of an exponential process. So Turkey, you got to remember, is starting out from a very, very low base. What industry existed at the end of the independence war was mostly made during the independence war for the purposes of getting bullets to the front line, which is like, a, useful, a useful thing. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I'm not saying that, that to disparage it. I'm just saying that, like, there wasn't very much, like, industry going on at this yeah. point. And what industry there was, was, like, it was kind of like a craft, a craft economy to an extent. There's this great thing in that TV show I keep mentioning, Kurtulush, because it covers this time period. Well, not the Great Depression, but they didn't do a season after that, I don't know. Or they didn't focus on it. But there's a bit where they... One of the guys is literally just like a munitions expert working out of a workshop. And it turns out the Soviets have sent um, like artillery shells that are the wrong caliber. 
And so he has to, like, by hand, very carefully develop a process to, like, make them the right caliber. And, like, and this is, but this is, like, it's kind of true, but dramatized. Like, this is Art a thing artisanal that, you know, music, Artisanal munitions. Yeah, I mean, but, like, he developed an industrialized, but obviously they, like, expanded it once he'd, like, proved it worked without killing himself. <laughs> so. And obviously, control. Yeah. Well, they're like, well, okay, you believe it, you prove it. And there is a bit of that. But the country is basically rebuilding after what I describe as 50 years of crisis. But, like, you can pretty much trace the beginning of the problem to the Balkan Wars. And we will probably have someone on... There's someone who's offered to come on to talk about the wave of refugees that Turkey got from the Balkan Wars and all these things. Because it's probably going to be important to understand the society we're dealing with after Mustafa Kemal dies. Uh, spoiler alert. Incidentally. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, oh, no. I, th uh, I thought he was still going today. Yeah, uh, well, you, the way the country is with the flags and stuff, I mean, you'd think so. But, um, but yeah, spoiler alert, everyone, he does die. But it's important to kind of understand the society that Isma Inonu inherits. Spoiler alert again. Though if you played Hearts of Iron, you know already. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, we're talking about, like, Balkan Wars, World War One all of the genocides Turkey did, because those, oddly, do not lend yourself to constructing a, you know, strong economic base. And the independence war, yeah, basically the country is trying to rebuild from a bunch of, like, historic crises that would destroy most other countries anyway. But it had, like, all of them at once, and, like, half of them were self-inflicted. So... Oh, cool. That's, that's not relatable at all. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know... I mean, in fairness, you've never done genocide, so I don't think you. I don't think you like. You're on the scale of problem that Turkey in Turkey has, you know. So yeah, I, as I mentioned, like you look at the graph of historic GDP, it looks like the growth barely slowed. So like the growth from 1923 to 1929, when they're doing this sort of private accumulation thing to try and create the dynamics of capitalism, you're seeing like growth at like. 5% a year, something like that. Like, growth you would kill for now in, in most, like, developed economies. You, you wouldn't get it. I mean, UK's probably doing stagflation, so we're really becoming Japan oh, at nice. this point. Yeah, so, we're re yeah, I mean, we've got as much, like, non-shit going on, so yeah, we're definitely becoming Japan. We're, we're the same country as Japan, anyway. Yeah, and Turkey, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> this is just me proving that every country is actually the same. This is just... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but like with every economic crisis and every economic slowdown, it turns out it's the poorest who suffer. It's shocking development, I know. But basically, because of this economic slowdown and because of... So like, for example, I used the example of land reform, where the farmers have now got their land, but they can't make any fucking money off it. And if you're insisting on being a capitalist country, or at least having, like, the mode of production be capitalism, not being able to make money is... It represents kind of the biggest fucking problem you could possibly have. So suddenly private... And that, that's just one sector and one example, but this happens across the economy where they're trying these private accumulation sort of reforms and, you know, trying to give people small bits of capital so that they can become petty bourgeois and all this stuff. It, um... Yeah, it turns out that doesn't work in a crisis where 15% of the world's GDP has disappeared, right? Doesn't fucking yeah. work. It's all called into question. So we had the 
episode a couple of episodes ago where we talked about the Republican People People's Party and the opposition party that formed the Progressive Republican Party. So some of the Progressive Republican people, sorry, Progressive Republican Party. There's a lot of party oh. names with Republican in it. <laughs> Uh, they, some of them are reabsorbed back into the party because, you know, they're big beasts and, you know, they're heroes of the independence war. And it's like, all is forgiven. You know, your party, we did technically, you know, say your party did treason, but you were innocent of it specifically. You know, it was just the bad apples. It was all of the, the you know, um, Committee of Union and Progress people who did the treason and the Kurdish people, which I feel like is not a great start. Generally, no, but we kind of went over that in the episode, so you should listen to that one. But yeah, they're like, "Welcome back!" But now, because the Republican People's Party's kind of defined itself against an external party a little bit, it's like becoming an actual political party. It's stopping being this, popular you know, national front. liberation. Yeah, like the Popular Front, National Liberation Movement. It's not the broad front anymore, or at least it has a character that means it can't be anymore. And that means that there are basically two factions at play in the party that matter for this um, economics-focused, unfortunately, episode. <laughs> um, you have the statists, who some might say is analogous to the left. I mean, after all, if you're statist and populist, you're left of centre, right? That's how that works. Um, famously. Famously, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that again. <laughs> I, um, and then there's this faction that we will call the liberals because uh, because they're the liberals, yeah. basically. Yeah. We're going to call them the liberals because they fucking suck. Yeah, yeah, they do suck. And unfortunately, one of them will supplant our boy as prime minister towards the end of Ataturk's uh, rule. But the leader of the statist, so like the leader in air quotes, but like the prime advocate in Ataturk's inner circle for the status was Ismet Inonu, who generally seemed to have an instinct that fa that sort of <clears throat> suggested that state intervention is good because it strengthens the national project. Right? Uh -huh. yeah. And it acts in this sort of Kemalist definition of populism where it enhances national sovereignty because the state is accountable theoretically. This is strictly theoretical at this point because the elections have one legal political party at this time. <laughs> and I think in like 1929, I w don't quote me on when that election is because we'll probably do, we'll cover it in an episode. They let like 50 independents into the parliament or they let, they let a bunch of independents run, but they're sort of pre-approved pre Republican independents, you uh -huh. know? So they're like, oh no, you know, we have an opposition group, you know? I mean, they were literally called like the independent group. Oh. So, um... <laughs> Ah. So, <laughs> we cannot escape melts no matter where we go. But, yeah, so Isma Inonu has this vision of statism. I'm sort of attributing it to him at this point, where it's sort of like, this seems to be the logic that was at play, where robust statist policies would enhance the national project and the nationalist project and entrench Kemalism, because, like, what are you going to do? Privatise the entire economy? Uh... Shockingly, that might be what's coming. But uh -oh. the leader of the Liberals in the Republican People's Party, kind of mainly Jalal Bayar, who is kind of most famous for being the founder of Turkey, one of Turkey's first banks. Ugh. So yeah, he's a banker and an economist and oddly a very senior politician in the Republican People's Party. You would think there wouldn't, 
it, that wouldn't be the case for long, and it might not be. Um, <laughs> but so- sounds like a bit of a prick. Yeah, I mean, he looks like a fucking nerd as well, but he generally pushes for liberalisation of Turkey's economy, and he is the person who kind of suggests that if you want to create, in the sort of early 20s, if you want to create the dynamics that, you know, lead to capitalism, the sort of wealth distributions and class dynamics and sort of ownership mechanics that you need for it, um, he's the one who kind of goes, well, if you're going for capitalism, private accumulation, probably the quickest way to fucking do it. Right, he and to be fair, he made that's not that's not wholly incorrect. Just, it's just that I've just looked you, up our boy Jalal Bayar, and he is bald. Yeah, he. Given that there's a lot of bald discourse on Twitter today and yesterday, I think um, I think it was today there was bald discourse, and uh, so you yeah, can tell when we that, recorded this. That yeah. fucking clown with his article. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking incredible. Re- reflections on being called bald. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible. It was the boldest thing anyone has ever done. So Please, please don't put in my article that I got mad. Of it being called bold. And then he put it in his own article. Anyway, but yeah, so Jalal Bayar, he's not wrong. And he's not like, if you're, if you're a, look, here's the thing. If you're listening to this and you're generally a liberal and a supporter of capitalism, you're going to like Jalal Bayar. Okay. But then I do have questions about how you found the podcast. <laughs> but, you know, I get, you know, I'm not saying no to don't listen. I'm just saying like, Jalal Bayar sucks, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, but yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of the two broad positions within the party. And the statist faction, because you had sort of a significant portion of the people who sort of believe in Jalal Bayar's vision of liberalization, leave the party to form an opposition party that was then banned. Uh, it's safe, the statists were kind of stronger in the party and in fact i kind of enjoyed reading ahead a little bit where they're like actually factionalism between the statists and the liberals led to the split of the party i'm like yes at last some good fucking factionalism baby (laughs) um factionalism is good when it's isma inonu doing it that's now my my official line on the on the matter of factionalism everyone you heard it here first hell yes and, and to be fair, there doesn't seem to have been great personal animosity between uh, Isma Inonu and Jalal Bayar. Isma Inonu had personal animosity with Jalal Bayar's number two. But oh. we will come... Yeah, because we will come to it in the 50s, but basically a significant like portion of the cult of personality around Ataturk, particularly like the aesthetic element of his face being everywhere and on the back of all of the notes, is specifically because... Jalal Bayar's number two, who was Prime Minister, wanted to spite Ismet Inonu. Oh. Which, it, yeah, it, yeah. Like, it's fucking incredible. But also, to be fair, I think a country where the president is, the sitting president is on the back of the banknotes in a country where the president changes fairly regularly, it just feels like a fucking problem waiting to happen for money circulation. Oh, so God. maybe maybe they did everyone a favor with that one, but maybe they shouldn't have just gone, we're going to put the guy on the back of every banknote. Turkey decides in the early phase of the Depression to sort of go, right, well, the statists are in the ascendancy and we're doing private accumulation, but private accumulation kind of can't work under these very specific circumstances our economy's in because we're, a, we're an economy that primarily does agriculture and primarily exports tobacco and tea, right? So you are kind of screwed coming and going, and 
we've just done these reforms, and they clearly do not work, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to do we're going to switch from private accumulation to something the Kadroists from last episode really like. Oh boys, um, state accumulation. Now, of course, the Kadroists thought like, well, if the state's the only one accumulating stuff, you can't form classes, and uh. therefore you have achieved a classless society. And uh. I would point out that it's a classless, stateless society, actually. <laughs> if, you, mm. if you look carefully and read carefully, that's probably what you're really aiming for. So you're only halfway done. And it turns out only being halfway done didn't mean that no classes formed in Turkey. Shocking twist, I know. Well, but... you're saying this leads to some sort of like status bureaucratization, creating a privileged class of apparatchiks or such. Yeah, something like that, definitely. And uh, to be fair, we in the bridge theft bonus. Oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we we saw how competent this sort of bureaucratic class was yeah. in Turkey. Really, really got their fingers like on the pulse. I can't believe did I eyes on the ball. Did I miss the fucking bridge theft bonus as well? Did you did you conspire to shaft me just because I went away on holiday? <laughs> Oh, okay, right. I want to address this on recording. I want to be very clear about what happened here. Beef, right? beef, beef. I, I tell, I tell you in advance. I tell both of you in advance what the topics are going to be each week. If you happen to go on a jaunt to England, that's your fault. <laughs> like, I, I, I. To be fair, I could easily have changed it, but also this week's bonus is. The Turkish map YouTube, so oh yes, I feel like you're getting the properly deranged fucking shit. But also, <laughs> like, also, like, you can listen to the to the Bridge Theft episode for free because you're a, you're on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you have a link to the thing. It's, it's, like, a, perk, it's a perk of the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like if you're that desperate to. <laughs> It's, it's just, yeah, I, I'm sort of like confounded that this is such an issue at this point. But one weird trick discovered by a local Mountain Dew drinker. O- okay, all right. Apple no. podcasts hate him. Okay, all right. Like, let's not get into the Mountain Dew industrial concentrate drinking issue because, like, people are gonna think I'm fucking mental if they hear that. <laughs> They're gonna think I've like lost my mind. Well. The- like, I need some serious, like, help at that point. Well, I don't. I'm fine. I can stop at any time. <laughs> <laughs> In case anyone's wondering, I might have found out that the Mountain Dew I'm getting from the Turkish shop, which is from the Emirates, I think, might be industrial concentrate and you're meant to dilute it. But I was not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> which is fine, because... It meant I could stay up and survive Long Bristol and the effects of my work, but oh boy, I'm I'm gonna properly fucking crash this weekend. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna come crashing down to earth once I release this video tomorrow. I but... hate I hate to think what that's doing to your guts, man. That's, <laughs> that's fine. I eat a lot of fiber. Um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough of that. Let's 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 return to the topic at hand. Um. So. Part of the reason they want to do state accumulation, I mentioned this, is because they think it's the path to becoming autar- autar- autarkic? Autarkic. Autarkic. Yeah. They're trying to become an autarky, right? And they're like, well, this logically... See- because 
the international system of capitalism has shat its pants 15 times worse than the time it shat its pants during our lifetime. Badly. Ooh. Right? I mean, like, COVID, alright, but like, you know, I don't know what the percentage decrease in GDP was for the world. I don't think it was 15%. So even COVID, where... Well, like, not yet. Well, not yet. Yeah, we do have to, like, wait and see to an extent. But even COVID didn't fucking slap the economy that hard, relatively speaking. And that's and that's so, because it's not plugged into anything anymore. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that is the thing. Yeah, the economy's in the cloud. But... <laughs> <laughs> Reminding me of my job. Um, anyway, so there's also how, this how other badly, thing. How badly do we think the world economy's going to cope with monkeypox? <laughs> But that, okay, right, I'm not gonna, no, I don't want to speculate, I don't want to think too much about monkeypox, because... Nobody's, I, nobody's fucking anymore, it's fine. Yeah, that was my main <laughs> thing, yeah, if, as long as you're not like, as long as you're not like, you know, licking people, licking people's monkeypox sores, I think you're alright. <laughs> hey, hey, don't judge me, man. Yeah. Alright, but, yeah, but you've also not caught, you're clearly immune. <laughs> Just, <laughs> anyway. <Patient> zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it doesn't bear thinking about, does it? Because you know, you know, like the false rumor about how AIDS became a thing. Oh God, yeah, yeah. That is one hundred percent going to be like dredged up by some dipshit, and I'm going to have to hear fucking idiots oh, talking about like, God. oh, did you hear about how monkeypox started? And it's like, no, it already fucking existed, man. There, there are. It's a well-known disease. It, you know, there are already fucking vaccines that are eighty-five percent effective against it. It's not. No one did that. No one did that in the in the AIDS instance either, to be clear. Yeah. Complete fucking horseshit. Like anyway, this is not the topic of the podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that in. I'm leaving that in. The people need to know how these things started. But there's also this other problem and a particular conditions that force them down the status path. Because it's easier to liberalize when you have a capitalist class, an industrial working class, you know. All these, all these nice things that we have now. Well, not nice, but you know, things. Turkey did things. These are things that exist in capitalist economies that have advanced to a certain point. Turkey has not advanced to that point significantly yet, so you kind of can't lean on a policy of liberalization where presumably you would privatize some stuff or you know stuff like that. You know, you would you would encourage private investment in the economy while retreating state investment, which is a fucking stupid idea. See also Britain 2008 to now. Doesn't Ooh. fucking work. Doesn't work. Not a good idea. Because it turns out, people who make a significant amount of money from their money like to hoard their money so they yeah. make more money from it. It's really fucking... Like, it's literally called primitive accumulation. That's how fucking simple it is. Like... Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's free real estate, right? Yeah, yeah. like... Hmm... But basically, Jalal Bayar's policy is to basically do post-Soviet economics in a country oh. that doesn't have to fucking do it. Oh. Like, at least that's what it reads like. I'm being unfair because I don't like him. <laughs> but, but basically, the reason, one of the reasons why there's not this significant capitalist uh, class or industrial working class is because there's this exodus of minorities from Turkey from probably 1875 onwards, but, you know, depending on who you're talking to and when you're talking about, basically, the issues are the genocides, uh, discrimination, the population exchange, which was 
probably genocide falls under genocide now you think about it uh and after the great depression there was this so this uh, so the statist policies continue well well into like the 70s even like liberal governments that come to power kind of can't reckon with like reducing the amount of state involvement in the economy too much because they themselves become significant powers and political powers and so they will push back against governments but there are things like after the great depression and during world war 2 and we'll talk about it a thing called the varlukvergesi which is called the wealth tax that's what it means uh but it disproportionately targets uh jewish people and armenian people and greek people oh yeah oh. yes it's weird but we'll sort of talk more specifically about that and an l for isma inonu and his mm. time as uh president so this economic policy of statism is made up of several parts. So you may have heard of some of them, uh, everyone. So tell me if you've heard of these. So and just a reminder that this most of this is under Ismet Inonu. So Ismet Inonu is prime minister. He gets recalled during the um, Sheikh Syed rebellion because parliament literally will not vote for anyone else to become prime minister. And so he's prime minister until 1937, and then after 1937, to sort of wrap up the Great Depression, Jalal Bayar becomes prime minister. And despite his best efforts, the five-year plan, I reckon, kind of worked. But anyway, so they have investment banks to put money into industries to allow them to get started. I wonder what that... Have we heard that policy before? A national huh. investment bank. Hmm. Huh. Huh. ring a vague bell. Yeah. Uh. Uh, anyway, so was, was there some form of sausage nationalization as well? <laughs> I mean, actually, um, <laughs> but it's really funny because that exact clip is in my YouTube video dropping tomorrow. <laughs> it's an example of like both being stupid and a client journalist. Amazing. Um, but yeah, um, so they have state-owned monopolies. So we talked about this last. Uh, not last time, uh, two episodes ago. Tekel, you know, the uh, which produced, you know, they're they the ones who did all the tobacco, did like, cigarette factories and, aye. you know. Tobacco. Yeah. Were they the ones that you were, you were saying they were like, they were on everything? Like yeah, yeah, they, were, they were on everything. Yeah, yeah. They made beer, they did all these things. They made Rucker, or, or like, I think it's Tekerda now, the brand, but that used to be Tekel. So. When we establish our own socialist state, I want to be in charge of the fags and beer factories. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the uh yeah, that that would be that's really my ideal job is pressing the button at the beer factory to like to put the cap on the bottle. Oh, that's, <laughs> I, that's I used to do I that. Want. I used to do that. I used to cap bottles at a brewery. It was great. Oh, that sounds great. That's my job on the communism. No one else can have that job. That hole was made for me. <laughs> and one of the other things about having like state-owned monopolies, particularly in like secondary industry, GCSE geography time, where I use the terms from my GCSE geography. But, you know, stuff like manufacturing and stuff like that is the state owned monopolies can guarantee a price for the primary industry's goods. So, Turkey basically found a way around some of the, like, you know, food price crashes and stuff like that. Because, you know, you're a farmer, so, and this is kind of the things about, like, famines happening. And when famines happen, it's subsistence farmers who die mostly, but there's usually enough food in the economy or in the economic system to feed people. It's just bad distribution. It's almost like market dynamics don't work. But let's not, let's not think too much hard about that at the moment. But they basically guarantee a price for farmers and, you know, tobacco farms and stuff like that. 
so that they can um so basically that they can fucking survive right yeah they're like okay yes the market price has crashed we are gonna pay above the market rate so that no one fucking starves to death well they wouldn't starve to death they could just eat their own food but tobacco farmers you can't eat tobacco don't eat tobacco please <laughs> just like such a Try terrible thing <laughs> yeah, like chewing tobacco and then swallowing the chewing tobacco seems listen, like a fucking abysmal idea. Mr. Mountain Dew, man. I don't yeah, think no. you should be getting on to anybody about their consumption habits just now. No, okay, but like that is that was an innocent mistake, and I will not repeat it. Look, I'm under a lot of attack today. I don't know what's going on. Someone has decided I'm the asshole today. I don't know what, I don't know what the fucking problem is with it today. But anyway. Another thing they have is, like, state-led enterprise, so, you know, like, building airplanes and shit like that. You know, just, like, because there's no capitalist class to risk in investing, there's no entrepreneurial class to do it, they're like, well, the state should fucking do it if that doesn't exist. And if we mean to be a capitalist society, that has to exist, like, mechanically, is Mm. the understanding here. And, yeah, and a lot of this goes on to be privatized and sort of private industry supplants it in some places, naturally, air quotes. Within the the confines of the system, it does supplant it in some places, and in other places, it is ruthlessly privatized and ceases functioning very well. Uh, Who's to say, once again? None of us can say why, what's going on here. And also, there was a, a, a large degree of economic planning Oh, yes. Borrowing from the old Soviets there. Neighbours to the north. So, basically, this policy largely works in preventing the bleeding in an economy that was kind of already recovering from a protracted series of crises. And actually, if, if the goal was we need to create the kind of economic structure that allows for capitalism to exist, it fucking worked. Like, yeah, the, you know, the state because the Kajaros were wrong. Oh. They were wrong and bad. Oh. Uh, so there you go. They were wrong. It turns out state accumulation does not prevent the formation of classes. So, you yeah. know. Big L taken there. Yeah, a pretty huge L for the, uh, for the Kajarosts there. But, you know... In fairness to the Kajaros, their entire existence is kind of an L because they had to ask Ataturk <laughs> for permission to publish their magazine. <laughs> and then when he politely asked them to close, they closed. So basically the AWL then. Yeah, well, I don't want to start like weird beef. But also, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because, um, you know, they, they, they hitched to the state line very closely. Is it the... A- right, okay, I will start some beef. Is it the AWL who are like... Big into every foreign war, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Paul the, the, Mason faction, basically. You know. yeah. <laughs> and well, yeah, and I, I yeah, I, I did kind of describe them in the episode as like Paul Mason. So, well, there we go. Yeah. Not, so, just not understanding statism from a Marxist perspective. Yeah, God, I'm imagining like a Turkish version of Paul Mason in the fucking 30s insisting that the magazine closing is advancing the left's position in Turkey. (laughs) (laughs) After the fucking Communist Party gets purged for the fifth time. Like, Jesus Christ. Anyway, but that's, that's British politics. That's not what we're on about here today, thankfully, because honestly, fed up with Britain. That's why we talk about other countries. 
other much healthier countries. <laughs> yeah, much, much healthier. So, so this policy generally seems to work. And I mentioned that, like, Jalabaya comes into office and he does, he's specifically brought into office by Ataturk in, like, the last year of his uh, presidency and life. That sounded really dramatic. <laughs> he's sort of brought in to sort of be like, okay, right, the statism stuff, great. It stabilized the economy. There's a, cum- you know, we've done state accumulation. Let's start, like, you know, let's start doing the actual capitalism bit of it where we have the big companies and all that stuff. Ataturk very much, like, not in the status camp, but mm. very much held to the line of the status because they were his power base in the party, which I always find very interesting because people kind of... Again, it's this, it's, it goes back to what I mentioned in, like, the Reform Factory and other stuff where, like, you imagine the early Turkish state and a lot of and a lot of states where there's like the man in charge, or the woman. But I don't think there are many states where it's the woman in charge. Probably should mm. we should get we should have more women dictators. Yes, that's, that's now that's <laughs> now the position I'm in. Want some strong women out there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> fucking melting. My brain is melting. I'm gonna open my door real quick so there's some air circulation. I think I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> I think my brain's dying. Um... <laughs> God, the, the rest of my flat is so cold compared to the sleeping cube. Jesus Christ. Oh, you got your own microclimate. I've got that in my be- bedroom as well. Yeah, it's because I like generate so much heat because I'm fucking huge. Um, I'm like the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where sun language theory comes from. <laughs> and, and we're putting the How I Met Your Mother out credits music there. <laughs> like, Jesus. that's it. Um... <laughs> No, we won't do that. I, I don't want to do something that cringe. This podcast is just falling apart at the seams now. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. I just, I'm just like completely riffing off it now. But yeah, um, Turkey did have a girl boss, but we'll get to her. She was not good. Ah. She was. Yeah. Um, 20th century girl bosses tend not to be. I mean, you've got, what, Eva Peron, Golda Meir, Indira Gandhi. Not, not great in general. It's not, not a strong list, yeah. But. Margaret we'll, we'll Thatcher. Kind of... <laughs> Margaret Thatcher, yeah. I mean, to be fair, doesn't doesn't need to be said, does it? No. Yeah. I wonder if you'll see any similarities between Margaret Thatcher and Turkey's girl boss. Oh, boy. Ah, interesting. But I suppose it, it's worth mentioning, because we do, we do love it when people press the communism button, that Turkey had... Um, so, Turkey had a five-year plan, the first five-year plan, 1934 to 1939 and from the years of 1935 to 1939 you had like 6% economic growth like the 5 year so there's a a lot of like stuff where people are like oh the 5 year plan you know the returns weren't ideal you know but like it fucking worked like (laughs) by any like any objective measure of how much the economy grew like the point was to avoid recession and to grow the economy and to industrialize and all these other things. It fucking worked. Like, there's no, there's no like, dispute about whether it worked or not. The, fi- the first five-year plan in Turkey, I think, worked. The, I, I, I was, like, reading, like, probably, like, one of the meltiest sources where they're like, oh, you know, there's some dispute as to whether the five-year plan worked in Turkey. I was like, the economy did not exist in this country before the five-year plan, basically. <laughs> like, like, the, the the planning of the like they're like oh it didn't hit all its targets yeah well no Soviet five year plan ever hit its targets it's still like rapidly industrialized and managed to challenge America as an industrial superpower 
That's to a testament to the planning of it, I think. Right? Yeah. In fact, yeah. in the 60s, didn't the Soviets actually overtake the United States in economic growth? I mean, probably. It's not, it's not a surprise if they did. <laughs> but, but, like, Turkey had, by as five-year plans go, a pretty fucking successful one. And despite Jalal Bayar's best efforts to fuck it, but, you know... <laughs> Lib's gonna but, lib. Yeah, but, it, it, and it does work, and this five-year plan does, you know, it does what it says on the tin. The economy is planned for five years, it's better in five years. Planning works, basically, moral of the story. But again, imagine someone who keeps trying to push liberal economics like Ataturk constantly uh. having to do what the status faction in his party wants. Because by circumstance... So, to an extent, he's a hostage to fortune, to borrow a phrase from the guy who complained about being bald. Uh, being called bald. He insists he, <laughs> he insists he wasn't mad about it, but, you know, he was very much like a hostage to fortune. It's not, like, his fault that all of the melt liberals immediately went into the opposition party and thus allowed his party to define itself, probably against him to an extent. I'm imagining, like, sicko is JPEG, but it's just Esme Enonu. Yeah, Esme Enonu sickos. New emote. <laughs> Take it. We're going to have someone... I, I can't Photoshop the sickos thing, though, so someone else is going to have to figure that out. But, yeah. <laughs> He's kind of a hostage to fortune in his own way, and he does, to be fair. I think, for him, personally... The economics of it are kind of a sideshow. And, and to an extent, he was kind of right to think like that. Because in the same way that the New Deal in America rescued American capitalism and is thus bad, even though it did a lot of good, you know, it's kind of like drunk driving, you know, kills a lot of people, helps a lot of people get to work on time, right? <laughs> it's the New Deal and the five-year plan. The Turkish five-year plan. Not, well, the Soviet one also kind of like that, to be fair. So Probably did kill a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, probably did. And also helped a lot of people get to work on time. Because <laughs> otherwise the other thing would happen to you. So I guess in a sense, in a sense, it kind of, it kind of all works out. But the point here is that he probably, in the early Republic, sees it as a sideshow and is right to see it as a sideshow because the five-year plan and the statism kind of kickstarts the capitalism in Turkey. Uh. Like, you don't get capitalism in Turkey as it existed in the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s up until the point where the military coup happens and then neoliberalism is kind of the, the name of the game after then. You don't get that form of capitalism without this specific response to the Great Depression. So, and, th and this economic response and so I, the melty source I was reading was like, even though it didn't work, it did inform basically all of Turkish economic policy afterwards, because statism was seen as like a key pillar of the nationalist project. Because you got to remember, this is happening around the time when the six arrows are like officially becoming a thing. It's kind of, kind of funny how like the, this economic order that prevailed after then was heavily dependent on massive state intervention in some somewhat of a contradictory way, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting how that happens, you know. Mm. <laughs> What's it, what is it that, like, liberals in America like to say? And I do mean liberals in the European sense, where they're like, ah, it's socialism for the rich and capitalism for the poor. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, it's always been that. Like, yeah. 
you gotta you gotta get with the fucking program. Like, and but then they, these are the same people who see like nationalized healthcare and claim that it means you're a socialist country. So, yeah. or or roads even. Yeah. Bond well, I mean, forces. have you seen have you seen the fucking state of America and its roads? Like, yeah, I'm not surprised they think that's fucking socialism. <laughs> Dwight D. Eisenhower, like the greatest socialist of the 20th century. No, but I've seen people unironically say that. That's you know. <laughs> yeah. I've just seen like Eisenhower stand socialist, and I'm like, no, you just stop it, <laughs> just stop. Like, we need to stop America until we can figure out what's going on. That's the secondary part to this podcast. <laughs> yes, the five year plan it basically makes the capitalism go round in Turkey and the Soviet Union, and the New Year New Deal saved American capitalism. I don't know what Britain's economic response was, but I assume it was fucking shit. Um, it was Keynesianism, was it not? Uh, I'm pretty sure that, like, it was that dipshit Labour Prime Minister who came in and then did austerity with the Tories. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, so in fact, Britain does have form <laughs> for being the stupid country. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, well, we, we knew that. Yeah, we knew that. I mean, and to be fair, like... And so, you know, to be fair, Britain, famously the stupid country anyway, but... <laughs> but yeah, so... It is interesting to see how, despite the man's political instincts, he kind of regarded this as not very important compared to, say, actually constructing the sort of social side of his nationalist project. The economics of it is kind of means to an end. If it works, it works, which was kind of what the deal was here. It clearly worked. As long as it, it catches cl- mace, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Like, no <laughs> one... Yeah. <laughs> like, it seemed that as long as like people were not starving and rioting, could more mm. or less build. Because it's impossible to build a nationalist project if people are fucking trying to kill you. I think you're just going to leave it there. It's impossible to build a nationalist project. Yeah. Well, no, it's <laughs> evidently possible because they did build it, right? Like, yeah. That's kind of what we're talking about. They did build the nationalist project. So, like, as far as like what grade I would give the Turkish response to the Great Depression. I give it a B, too capitalist, too capitalist for my taste. But like, it succeeded on its own terms, as far as I can tell. It seemed it seemed to succeed on its own terms, which is more than I could say for like, essentially every other response to a recession I've lived through in my life. Yeah, it, it <laughs> seems to have left them in a far better position than they experienced even before the recession. So I would say it's a roaring success. Yeah, I, I mean, I can find like Turkey's historic GDP graph. Um, real quick but like it is it is like remarkable how little how little the great depression seems to impact turkey's general growth trajectory the kind of bullshit i have in my search history because <laughs> of this fucking podcast like oh i look like a proper fucking nerd looks like i'm doing an economics degree but yeah if you if you want to see like the impact so like if you if you're wondering like what the graph looks like. Basically, the graph plateaus around World War II. World War II has more of an impact on uh, the Turkish economy's ability to grow than anything else, because no one is trading with anyone because everyone's ships keep getting blown up. But there you go, there's the graph. Oh. Hey, you love to see it. Yeah, so like, it clearly, like, the Great Depression, because of the scale of the graph to an extent, basically does not register as statistically significant. Yeah. Which I think is what you want, 
really. If you if if fifteen percent of the world's GDP has suddenly shat the bed and disappeared, you can't yeah. you kind of can't ask for a better outcome than this. Obviously, there's a a dip until World War Two ends, and then obviously there's quite a quite an acceleration because they get that Marshall Plan money. Mm. We do. They do love that Marshall Plan money, but uh, and they do love using it for statist economic policies, which is incredibly funny. Love, love to get a massive bung of like you know stimulus ostensibly to rebuild Europe for for a war that you weren't even in. It was quite good. Well, ta- well yeah, well Turkey. Uh, basically, it was a bribe to stop Turkey from joining the Soviet bloc because they were like, "This is Metinonu fella." I don't know. Communist is Metinonu. It's a f- many people are saying it. <laughs> His opposition are saying it. So I don't know. Maybe we need to. But that. But we'll get to the Marshall Plan stuff and the international politics and is Metinonu being a communist or not another time. For now, I think we. I think we're in a position to wrap up. So we're off to record the bonus episode on Turkish Map YouTube. Yes, it's time at last. <laughs> so. So we're all we're, we're all very excited. I'm very excited because I'm gonna have to explain some stuff. I'm gonna have to answer for my people's crime. I'm gonna have to make well, sure that I've, I've downloaded all the maps that I was looking at earlier. <laughs> I, I've got, okay, I've got like four ready to go, and they're just like in ascending order of ridiculousness. It's great. Oh, beautiful! I can't wait to explain them. But that's it from us for this one. If you want to hit catch up with us for the Turkish maps, uh, join the Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash peace at home is that our thing <laughs> is it not um is it... is it not peace at home podcast <laughs> 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 hold on i'm leaving it is peace at home it is peace at home i was fucking right don't make me All doubt right. myself <laughs> never doubt me i'm always correct <laughs> um accidentally redirecting people to the patreon for a now defunct military junta <laughs> yeah god anyway that's it for... on that note See ya. See ya. See ya.